the Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my God, that's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. This is your NFL Week 3 Best Bets episode. I'm your host, Brendan Glasheen. Today, joined by three Action Network experts. We'll be going through their three favorite bets for each of the games this coming weekend. We went five and four in week two with each of the guys riding Packers, minus nine and a half. Thank you, Aaron Rodgers and company, to close out last Sunday. So we're 11 and seven through two weeks, not too shabby. Today, our three experts, Brandon Anderson, he returns per usual. Luke Swain, otherwise known as Vegas Refund. And Joe Gallant rejoins us. He was with us in week one. Jill went two and one in week one. Thank you, Matt Ryan. Catch Jill Sunday mornings, 1030 Eastern for the Touchdown Show on Action HQ's Twitter and the Action Network YouTube page. As a reminder, you can use the very same Action Network app to follow today's picks. Just use the app's follow feature and search for Action Network NFL Picks. Just some quick nuggets, guys, before we get started. Now we have a two-week sample size. Uh, weeks one, two, and three, underdogs doing pretty well. They're covering at a 56% rate. Something else, too, that I think we've come to find out, it, it reflects Jill's interception points throughout the course of the year. Guys not playing in the preseason. Offensive guys not playing in the preseason has had an effect. Offensive coaches are 17 and 21 against the spread. Last year, there were 19 games over 500, so still plenty to go in the season. But offenses, as far as coaching, personnel, they have some catching up to do. So just some things to consider. And we don't do many totals on this podcast so far, but unders hitting at a high rate, 22 and 10 through two weeks. So first up, let's go around the horn like we usually do. If you're new to the show, we start with a one-sentence summary for this coming slate. So Brandon Anderson, get us started. How about a one sentence summary for week three? It's kitchen sink week. Teams that are winless in week three since 2010 are 45, 29, and one against the spread covering 61%. Backs against the wall, they gotta go hard. Okay, how about you, Joe Gallant? Interception week, uh, mainly just because uh, right now there are six players I'm seeing from a, a variety of different books that are at plus odds again to throw interceptions, and they're just piling up right now. So, uh, like, for example, Aaron Rodgers is, should probably be around two to one uh, to throw an interception against Tampa Bay. Last time he played against them, three picks in that game, not exactly a plethora of wide receivers to throw to. So I'd be considering that once you could find that that prop available. Love it how you're sticking with the picks. Enjoy it. Luke Swain, <laughs> how about yourself? Picks. One, that's right. One sentence summary for week three. Yeah, it's just going to be a lot of buy low spots on teams going into the season that we were higher on than we thought coming back home after a difficult week one and two. First best bet of the day will come from Brandon Anderson. As a reminder, we have not consulted. These guys have not consulted with one another before starting this recording. So we could have some overlap. We may not. There could be some contradictions. There may not. So it's every man for themselves here on this uh, best bets episode. So Without further ado, pick one, Brandon Anderson for week three. What do you have? I'm going to start us out this week with the Cincinnati Bengals. They are one of those kitchen sink teams, 0-2, just barely not off the Super Bowl loss, and suddenly everyone's ready to jump off the bandwagon. 
For me, that is the time to jump back on. After Sunday, we're getting big value here. Bengals are minus five at the Jets. There's value on both sides here. The Jets are a little overvalued. They had that big comeback against the Browns late. So helping us forget just how rough they've been so far. Last in the entire league in defensive DVOA through two weeks. The Bengals had the shock loss to the Cowboys. We know teams come out hot with their backup quarterback. Cincinnati dug a hole early and almost got out of it, but couldn't finish the job. The Bengals are last in offensive DVOA. That's not going to last. This is Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, the best way to solve struggles on offense. So play the worst defense in the league like the Jets have been so far. By the way, that bad Bengals O-line, it's not going to be quite as bad when they're not facing Micah Parsons and T.J. Watt. The Jets are not quite the same sort of threat there. Actually, the Jets O-line might be a bigger problem here with some of the injuries that they have. So I think this line really should be above a touchdown. The Bengals have covered when they won 16 of their last 17 wins so far. So kitchen sink spot, 61% cover rate. Kitchen teams that made the playoffs are 11-6 and against the spread, covering by 5.1 points a game. I'll take the Bengals as the favorite. This 0-2 star for the Bengals, Super Bowl winner or loser, has not started 0-2 since that Seahawks team in 14-15. So feels like a good landing spot here for the Cincinnati Bengals. How about Luke, Vegas refund? What's your uh, first pick for us for week three? Yeah, so the first one for me is going to be the Commanders, which at the current moment is plus six and a half. Um, I would probably wait until Sunday on this one. You might be able to get a seven, um, which is a valuable key number, obviously, where the look ahead on this was Eagles minus three and a half. And after the commanders lost to the Lions on Sunday, and then the Eagles had probably one of the more impressive performances on national TV on Monday, uh, it's moved to six and a half, seven, which is just way too big of a move for me where the Eagles are coming off of that win on a short week, going to Washington, the commander's defense has been bad, but I do think it's due for some positive regression. All they have to do is eliminate these explosive plays that they keep allowing, where the efficiency standpoint, it's still tops in the league, where their offense has showed us that they can hang. Uh, it has been an explosive offense. They have exceeded my expectations so far going into the season, where the Eagles offense, obviously looking at Monday, is explosive, where I think this commander's offense can hang with – the Eagles. We're at a divisional dog, short week. I'll take the commanders plus six and a half. Joe Gallant, your first best bet for week three. All right. So I had to break the touchdown cherry here. I think this is what we needed here for the show, but I am going to that Bengals jets game that Brandon referred to, but I'm actually going to be looking at a jets receiver to score this week again, after he had two in week two, and that's Garrett Wilson uh, right now sitting around plus two fifty at FanDuel. And part of the reason why I'm really into Garrett Wilson and his ascension into this offense is he has eight red zone targets through two games, three in week one versus the Ravens. I, and I thought, you know, you look at that eight number, you think, okay, he must've got like all seven in week two. No, he actually had three in week one versus the Ravens five against the Browns. Part of the reason why I think you're getting a little bit more value on him is because he only plays overall so far through two weeks, 61% of the snaps. But in the red zone, that increases to the mid-70s. So if they get to the red zone, I like his chances to score. I know that a lot of fantasy analysts will you know, tell you, don't bail on Elijah Moore, and I agree with them. But there is a chance that both of them could score because really the Bengals, they haven't been very good at stopping the pass. And that's facing guys like Mitch Trubisky and the Lord and Savior Cooper Rush. Uh, like I'm not going to be discouraged with Flacco throwing the ball 
even at his old age, I mean, 103 pass attempts in two games, especially with the DVOA being so low with the Jets defense, they're going to have to throw the ball a lot, especially if their offensive line is banged up. Like Trubisky had 38 passes in overtime against this Bengals team. Rusher had around 31. Um, Another reason why I'm liking Wilson as well, he has, he's 10th in overall targets with 22. The reason why that's important is if you look at the guys that are ranked one through nine, that's like the Cooper Cups, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase, all those guys have plus 20 odds or lower to score in week three. So you're seeing Wilson's odds maybe as low as plus 190 at some books. So we're getting a little bit of extra value here. I'm going to try to make sure and see if I can catch the tail end of this comet known as Garrett Wilson. Okay, moving on. Let's go to best bet number two. Back to Brandon Anderson. I'm going back to another kitchen sink spot. I'm going to take the Carolina Panthers 0-2 at home, catching three points to the Saints. This is a great spot for Carolina. Home team as a kitchen sink spot. So 0-2 team playing at home in a division game, 14-6-1 against the spread. So as a 70% cover rate. Also a good trend. Panthers lost by less than seven last week when we've got a team that's 0-2 that nearly won. Those teams are covering 64% in the following week. And when they're at home, they're actually winning 18 and 21 straight up, 46% ROI. So this is a great spot for Carolina. Uh, I'm not even sure that Carolina shouldn't be favored here. The Panthers so far, if you look at DVOA, Panthers are ahead of the Saints on offense and defense and special teams. That's everything, guys. So I think the Saints are living a little bit off of some preseason expectations so far. They haven't been that great yet. And the Panthers may be a little underrated. They, they've been top six on both offense and defense on early downs. This team might be decent, and they're easy just to overlook right now. Game has a low total at 40 and a half. Underdogs and low totals, always a positive trend. And Jameis Winston has a favorite, only 8 and 19 and 1 against the spread. Only covers 30% of the time. So this is a toss-up that maybe the Panthers are the better team. I like Panthers plus three. I like the plus 139 money line too. I'll play both of them. All right. So you, you are saying the Panthers are going to end their nine-game losing streak against the spread. I'm saying it. Well, let's go get some money. Okay. Love it. Very good. Also, Matt Rule, dude, if you want to keep your job, like he's already been connected to the Arizona State vacancy, even like Nebraska. <laughs> like this is it, Matt Rule, if you want yeah, to stay in the NFL. This is kitchen sink and bathroom sink and all the other sinks in Matt Rule's house. It's now or never, buddy. Love it. Okay, let's go to Luke. What do you got for us? Uh, best bet number two. So I'm going to go with the Falcons plus one, pick them either or, where this really is just the fate of the Seahawks again. Um, okay. I faded them last week. I'm going to fade them again. Falcons are on the West Coast again. The last two defense the Falcons have played are the Saints and the Rams. So in terms of like quality of opponent, this is a huge step down going to Seattle, where in my opinion, it's, they are the worst defense by far. And the one strength of the Seahawks is going to be the receivers, which if the Falcons have a strength on defense, it's going to be their corners. Mariota's played well. Hopefully we can get Kyle Pitts involved, where the Falcons, it's just a fate of the Seahawks. So I'm going to go with the Falcons plus one. Another one yeah. of those kitchen sink teams. We got mm. three of our five now. One will come through. That is our hope here on this episode, as we can tell already. Joe Gallant, your second best bet. Well, it sounds like Brandon and I are going to be doubling down on the Panthers, but I'm going, I'm going to be even more aggressive. I'm taking them Panthers money line uh, right now, hovering around plus 135 to plus 140. So they crushed this team last year as three-point home dogs in week two. And I think it's telling 
that they hung the same line this year, despite the evidence that we've already seen. Now the Panthers pretty scrappy through two games. They've lost both games by combined five points. Like they, you could make a serious argument that they should be two and zero right now. And the saints should be zero and two the saints run defense. That was the strength of their defense. Hasn't really looked sharp yet. Already given up 40 more yards per game uh, this season, 14 total first downs. From the run, Uh, just on that pace, that would rank near close to the bottom five, bottom six of the NFL. And how did the Panthers beat the Saints last year? What they did is they got a ton of first downs from the past, specifically to Christian McCaffrey, who wasn't in that matchup when they played near the end of the season last year. Four passing first downs in last year's matchup. Marcus Lattimore was playing in that game. And the Panthers, they just match up well with the Saints, and specifically wide receiver DJ Moore. Uh, who has just torched them in his career. Last five games in this matchup, 31 catches, 452 yards, and five touchdowns. You could probably get him around plus 160 to plus 170 to score a touchdown as well. Now, Jameis in his career, being a box player and then moving over to the Saints, familiar playing in Carolina, two and three as a starter playing in Carolina at, in his career. And he's lost the last two Saints or last two games uh, uh, in Carolina with both the Saints and the Bucks. And Got a little bit of a back injury. Might be a little bit uh, reluctant to maybe want to throw. If they put the position in him where he has to throw the ball, you could see a lot more picks. You could see the same old Jameis. So I'm taking Panthers' money line to take down the Saints and get their first win of the season. How about best bet number three as we move along? Brandon Anderson, what do you got? I'm going with the Rams. Minus three and a half in Arizona. No kitchen sink here. This one is all about coaching for me. Anytime I can take a chance to fade Cliff Kingsbury against what I consider a great coach, I'm always taking that swing. Sean McVay in his career, 5-1-1 one, and one against the spread versus Kingsbury, 6-1 and one straight up. Those six wins by 14.2 points a game. Every one of them by at least a touchdown. And even the two by a touchdown, those were backdoor touchdowns. They, they've never been close in those wins. So this is a huge coaching mismatch. McVay has Kingsbury's number and we're getting some value again on the number here. The Cardinals were awful for seven quarters before Kyler Murray magic stole a win. And that's our last taste there. The Rams were up 28, three on Atlanta last week and then took their foot off the gas. So if the, if those games had ended after three quarters, I think this line might've been close to a touchdown. Instead, we got that extra little bit of data. We're still getting some value here. The Cardinals have been bad on defense and their offensive line isn't good. Well, we got Aaron Donald against a bad line. We got Cooper Cup against a bad secondary. I love the spot for the Rams, minus three and a half. Luke Swain, last best bet. So I'm going to go with the Broncos plus one and a half on Sunday Night Football. The perception of the Niners couldn't be higher right now with Jimmy G, which I agree they're definitely a better team with him. But if you look back to Sunday's game, like he played okay. Like I wouldn't say he played like phenomenal against the Seahawks defense. I just went over about how bad they are. Um, and then they're going to Denver in the elevation, which is actually a thing early on in the season for a team that the perception of them couldn't be lower for their offense. Where between the twenties, the Denver offense has actually been efficient. It's when they get into the red zone where I wouldn't say they're bad in the red zone. There are a lot of outlier type plays like fumbles, penalties, guys stepping out of bounds that really could have changed like how they've done inside the 20s. So in terms of like positive regression, I totally see it for the Broncos offense. And at the same time, just people are too high on the Niners with Jimmy G. 
I think it opened at Broncos minus two and a half. And now it's Broncos plus one and a half, which is ridiculous to me. I'll take an offense wanting to prove something on primetime with Russell Wilson against a Jimmy G Niners team that I just think is being overrated in a very short amount of time. As we sit here now and record this podcast, 91% of the money on this game is coming in on San Francisco. Brandon, I'll, I'll go to you because you use the term kitchen sink in your open. It, it, this kind of feels like a kitchen sink game for Denver too, even though they're one and one. It does. It's a weird spot. It, it feels like a kitchen sink spot for Nathaniel Hackett in some ways. Yeah. The, the man is getting embarrassed on national television, just struggling to, to figure out how do I call my timeouts? When do I get the play call in? Are we punting? Are we kicking the field goal? So for me, I'm staying away from that one just because I don't know if I trust Hackett yet. He, you know, they brought him over from Green Bay. And I wondered, were they just trying to dangle a little carrot and bring Aaron Rodgers with him too? And I wonder if anyone else in that locker room might be wondering about that at this point. So Hackett, it's a little too early, only two weeks in, but I think it's a Hackett kitchen sink spot. I don't know if coaches can do kitchen sinks though. So we will see how that one plays out national television if he gets another bad one it could be a big conversation broncos offense has been poor but i I really do think at the same time the broncos offense being poor has overshadowed how good their defense has been Um, last six quarters i think they've given up nine points and i know it was against the texans and the seahawks Uh, but at the same time they might be down certain and judy uh, which could be the line move but like those two guys potentially being out don't really change my mind and just Hacking on primetime TV might be poor, but can we talk about Jimmy G on primetime clutch <laughs> situations? Like, <laughs> like that's, it's not very good. Fascinating yeah. game. Fascinating game. And stay tuned for our Monday episode here on the Action Network podcast because that will be the game that we probably react to first when we go live <laughs> Sunday night for the Monday morning uh, pod that goes live. Joe Gallant, take us home. Your third best bet. Sure. So this is Chiefs Colts natural kitchen sink game and part of the reason i was initially looking at the spread because i said on the look ahead pod i thought the spread was only going to go up and instead we're seeing reverse line movement right now despite the chiefs taking majority of bets in hand at least by what sports books are reporting but i think again part of the kitchen sink angle or maybe bellagio fountain whatever water analogy you want to use it's it's coming for the colts because they got to bring it every offensive trick in the book. If they're going to want to stay with the chiefs, you know, you're going to see flea flickers, play action, RPO trick plays on special teams. Frank Reich, the playbook is wide open, man, because you can't settle for field goals against this team. So I like the over 50 and a half in this game, especially after only scoring 20 points combined through two games. Now, despite this week two just debacle by the Colts, they still rank near the top of the league for uh, rushing first downs and rushing yards. So I think you're going to see like that 20 to 25 carry range for Jonathan Taylor. That's going to just from a projection standpoint, that's going to probably equate to at least 14 to 17 points for the Colts in that spot. But the Chiefs passing offense, and this has been the Colts issue since the start of last year, and you're seeing it through the first two weeks of the season. They're allowing too many passing touchdowns, and they were doing it to Davis Mills and Trevor Lawrence. Like, imagine now what's going to happen when you have Patrick Mahomes and that offense coming through. Um, They're really not getting that much pressure from their defensive line, which was their bread and butter. Only three sacks through two games against those deep against those offenses where they were third in the NFL last year in that stat. And then from some trend standpoints, if you're just looking at that angle for this total in 14 games last year involving the Chiefs, when the total was 50 or more, the over was nine and five. 
average combined score of 54.7 points per game. And even the games that went under, they had totals, like some of those totals in those games last year, close to like 59 and like 55. They still got to around 51 to 52 points, but they showed up as an under on the overall record. And then of course the last five chiefs road games, those have all gone over, over is eight and two in the last 10 chiefs games overall. So for me, I just know that the Colts are going to want to do everything they can to put up at least 25 to 30 points. I'm just not sure if it's going to be enough to outscore this Chiefs offense. So instead of trying to play the, oh, which team is going to show up here on Sunday, I think we just expect a lot of points. Over 50 and a half is one of my favorite bets this weekend for Chiefs Colts. Okay, before we wrap the show, we're going to take a very quick look at next week's lines for NFL Week 4 and see if we like any numbers now before they adjust uh, for Sunday's action. Brandon, one of your specialities here, what do you like for week four? And by the way, he nailed the Chiefs minus two and a half against the Chargers a week ago. Nailed that. And uh, you're also, we'll see how it uh, goes this week with Cincinnati. Uh, you were hopped on that one at four and a half. That's moved to six on FanDuel Sportsbook. What do you got for us for week four? We're going to London. We get our first London game of the year next Sunday. So Sunday morning, wake up early for Vikings Saints. Probably a good one, actually. We don't get too many good ones in London. So we talked, Jill and I both said earlier, we like the Saints to lose this week, even as favorites. So if the Saints lose to the Panthers, that kitchen sink spot for them. Don't forget, Jameis has the injury he's struggling through. Alvin Kamara is still hurt. That O-line is struggling. The Saints could look bad. Meanwhile, the Vikings are a classic buy low spot right now. And you can't necessarily buy low against the Lions. You'll see we none of us took that game, but the Vikings are big favorites against the Lions. And they looked great after week one. Everyone's jumped off the bandwagon after the Monday night game. But if the Vikings beat the Lions, as the books expect them to, suddenly Minnesota looks good again. The Saints maybe look a little worse. We have a neutral field. This is not a New Orleans home game here. This is Vikings by one. I think we easily could get to something past the key number there. So you want to jump on this now at basically a money line pick. Then here's a wild stat that I found. We know that in London, London is the home away from home for our lovely Jacksonville Jaguars, right? That's where Jacksonville loves to play. Take away Jacksonville games. We've got 10 other games on those Sunday morning spots. Favorites are seven and three against the spread by 7.1 points a game. And favorites are undefeated in those London games. They are 9-0-1 straight up. The Vikings are the favorite. They will probably be more of a favorite after the games on Sunday. Get that pick in before the games. And should that play out, right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook, Vikings are minus 118 on the money line. Saints at plus 100. You'd have to think that climbs into the 130, maybe even the 140 range if those results that Brandon just laid out uh, come to fruition. Okay, so let's recap our best bets. Each of you have three. Brandon Anderson, you first. I got Bengals to cover on the road as big favorites. Panthers plus three at home, two kitchen sink spots, and then Rams minus three and a half. Vegas refund, Luke Swain. I got Commanders plus six and a half. I got the Falcons plus one, and then the Broncos on Sunday night at plus one and a half. And Jill Gallant. I got Garrett Wilson with the New York Jets to continue his rise to start him, score a touchdown against the Bengals at plus 250, plus 260. I'm going to be taking the over 50 and a half between the Chiefs and the Colts. And finally, Panthers money line versus the Saints. All right, gents, that's going to do it for this Action Network podcast episode, our NFL Week 3 Best Bets. My thanks to Brandon Anderson, 
Joe Gallant, and Luke Swain, Vegas Refund, for joining us today. I'm your host, Brendan Glasheen. Best of luck with all of your bets this weekend. We will see you again Monday morning right after Denver and San Francisco Duel. We'll get you set for the following week with our recap show right here on the Action Network Podcast.